And they've been doing really well. This spring has really been a special time for those rose bushes. They have bloomed out and been beautiful uh, the whole spring. That's why I was so astounded the other day when I turned the corner walking into the backyard. They had been butchered. I mean, there was not a leaf to be found on those uh, bushes. They were cut down to just about this tall. I thought a vandal has been in my yard somewhere during the night. And they've cut our rose bushes down, and now they're going to die. But you know what I discovered? I discovered that no vandal had been in my yard it was the one who planted those bushes. She had pruned them all the way back so that they can grow and continue to flourish. And you know, the truth's already beginning to reveal itself. New growth is beginning. They're going to assume a more pleasing shape. The day will come when they'll be filled with more roses than they ever had been before. And it will become evident that rather than attempting to kill those bushes, the work had been done by careful and caring hands that would make them stronger and more beautiful. Here's what I learned. Because understand something. At my house, I don't plant flowers. I don't tend shrubs. I'm the guy who cuts the grass. And other than that, you know, Judith can sit down and has sat down with a number of you all and you've talked about the things you have in your, in your yards and the different kinds of things you've planted and such. To me, there's grass and then there's trees, flowers, and bushes. And that's as far as I know about anything. Pruning made all the difference as far as those rose bushes are concerned. In John 15, Jesus said, that's the way it is in the life of a believer. That that's something he will do in the life of every one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Every one of us are going to go through seasons when we experience the pruning hand of God in our lives. And sometimes we'll understand it and sometimes we won't. And sometimes it's going to hurt and sometimes it's going to hurt even more. But one of the things we know is this. When God does pruning work in our lives, it is always for the same purpose. He is intending to make our lives fuller and richer and more important than they could ever be before. So, he begins to talk to his disciples and he says to them, I'm going to prune you. In fact, he says this. Pruning is something that will happen in the life of every believer. Without exception, each one of us are going to go through times in our lives when we experience his pruning hand. And he does it in the lives of those who are his followers. One of the things you can know is this. If you live in this world and you are lost and you are apart from Christ and you have no relationship with him, you might as well understand pruning's never going to take place in your life because you don't belong to him yet. Pruning is something that he does in the lives of his own. How do I know that's true? In verse 3 he declared, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. In other words, he is saying, you are already saved and now it's time for me to begin a lifetime of doing pruning work in your life. And as strange as it sounds, we need to pray. Lord, 
send those seasons of pruning in my soul. What is pruning? It's the, it is everything the Lord does in your life to shape you into everything you ought to be. It is when God steps into your life and in a very personal, very intentional way begins to do the work that needs to take place in order for you to become that person that he's had in mind all the time. And so he steps in and he snips here and he cuts there and he shapes here and he changes things there. And he does it all because he's making you into somebody important. He works in a number of ways. He may work through circumstances and situations to do pruning in your life. He may work through instruction as you encounter something in the Word and you recognize, I've got to change if I'm going to live a life that is consistent with Scripture. He does it through discipline, through revelation. And sometimes he does it through direct intervention when God steps into your life and he does things that make changes so that you can become everything he has in mind. One thing you can be sure of is this. From the moment you trust him, the Lord is going to begin actively pruning your life. He's going to be at work in you because he has a goal for your life. He wants you to bear abundant fruit. He's committed to helping you find the satisfaction that comes from living a life that is right with him. He wants you to be able to live a life that makes a difference today and tomorrow and forever. That's kind of what you were singing about, isn't it, Matt? That fact that the Lord takes hold of us on the day that we were born and he continues to work with us throughout this lifetime and he prepares us for the eternity that he has in mind. And all along the way, he's pruning because he wants you to be able to become that fruitful, difference-making person. And if that's going to happen, he's got to do his work. And how he prunes you will be determined by where you are spiritually. It will depend upon what has to happen for you to experience his abundant growth. So today I want to talk to you about how and when the Lord does pruning in the life of his people, knowing that somewhere along the line, you're going to find yourself. Somewhere along the line, you're going to realize this is where God is at work in me. And you're going to recognize that in those times when you kind of wish God would leave you alone, he's actually doing the most loving and purposeful thing he could possibly do. In your life. So let's jump in a little bit and let's see what Jesus had to say in John 15. The first thing he says is this if you are spiritually healthy, then he's going to prune you for richer growth. Jesus declared to his disciples every branch that bears, that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You know, it's interesting how people live out their spiritual lives. So many people think, well, you know, the beginning and end of my spiritual life is that day when I trust Christ for salvation. That day when I kneel before the Lord and say, please forgive my sins. Please transform my life. Please give me everlasting life. Come and live in my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. And so many people think, well, that's the beginning and end. Once you're saved, then that's all that really matters. And everything's settled as far as you and God are concerned. And you can go on and live your life on however you please from that point forward. Other people believe this. And if you are in the center of God's will, one of the things that he promises you is you will never struggle. 
You will never experience pain. You will never go through seasons of of, uh, seeking to find God's will in a deeper way. You'll just be fine. But according to the Bible, neither of those things are true. Your spiritual life does not begin and end at salvation. Your spiritual life, your walk with Christ, never uh, guarantees you that you're not going to struggle sometimes with need and sometimes with doubts and sometimes with fears. Instead, the Bible says God does work in his disciples all the time. In fact, this is, I think, what Christ would say to you. Where there's no struggle, there's no fresh growth. And God's plan is for growth and not for comfort. Maybe I need to say that again. God's plan for you is growth and not comfort. He's not really all that concerned about whether you can take it easy and relax in your spiritual life. Instead, he sees what you have the capacity to become. He sees what he can do in you, and he is moving you toward becoming that kind of a person. If you're a healthy believer, then his pruning will compel you to grow. If I ask you a question this morning, I would be very interested to hear your answer. My question would be this. When has been the richest time of prayer in your life? When have you prayed and seen God move in the deepest possible kinds of ways? Now, we don't have time for personal testimonies today, but I would be willing to say this. For most people, when you ask the question, when were the deepest, richest times when you prayed and you prayed dependently upon the Lord you would probably say this, it was when I was going through some sort of crisis in my life. It may have been a spiritual crisis. It may have been a a crisis at work. It might have been a crisis in my personal life. But in that time when I was going through that crisis, I knew how much I had to depend upon the Lord. I can tell you today, in our last church, the time when our church was packed to overflowing was the last time that our nation went through a financial crisis. You remember 2007, 2008, when everybody was sure that the Great Depression had just returned. And I want to tell you something. In those days, there was nowhere to sit in that church. People realized, I need the Lord. And let me tell you something. And if you are spiritually healthy, God's going to put you in some of those situations so you recognize how much you need him, so you depend upon him with all of your heart, so that you have no sense of depending upon yourself. You're going to depend upon the Lord because that's what he wants to do. He wants to challenge you in ways that will cause you to trust him more and follow him more closely. And so he'll allow things to come into your life that stretch your faith. In fact, the very fact that you are serious about following Christ will at times bring about difficulties and challenges that other people don't face. The lost people around you are not going to be struggling with the things you struggle with But God's going to be using those situations to bring about growth. It is his pruning hand that will bring trials that make you trust him. You see, the opposite of struggle is not rest. The opposite of struggle 
is atrophy. And if there's not that tension of faith that's causing you to think harder and be more serious about your walk with Christ, if that tension is not there, then your faith is going to begin to atrophy. When you think you've got it all handled and you can do it all by yourself, your faith will begin to wither on the vine. And so the Lord, when you are healthy, brings tension into your life, brings struggle into your life so that you can become stronger and richer or more fruitful in your faith. We need to encounter whatever it takes to force us back to the feet of Jesus. Not once, not twice, but continually. We need things to be going on in our lives that cause us to depend upon him more so that he can do his pruning work in our lives. So what does that mean? It means this. When you're growing spiritually and tough things happen, you just don't pray, Lord, take it away. Instead, you pray, Lord, use this. Use this so that I will trust you more and I will walk with you more deeply. If you're a healthy believer, one of the things God wants to do is to see you grow more fruit than you've ever grown before, for you to progressively become more like Christ and to follow him more closely and be more committed to his will for your life and to see yourself transforming and changing. And that's his plan for you. But his plan is not just for healthy believers. Jesus also says this, and if you're spiritually dry... He will prune you so you can experience new growth. The Lord is a problem-solving God. One of the things you discover when you read the scriptures is God is constantly reaching into the lives of his people and he's solving the problems that they're facing. He allows them to find themselves in impossible situations and then he steps in and shows himself strong. The same thing is true in your life and mine. In those times when we have stopped growing, he will step in and stir things up in order to bring new life. When do you find yourself spiritually dry? Well, there are a lot of answers to that, but I think in a general statement, I would say this. Usually you find yourself in a spiritually dry situation when you have neglected your relationship with God. It's almost like that dry season we went through a few weeks ago when all of a sudden things began to wither and dry up and they didn't look healthy at all because they had been neglected the same thing can happen in our own lives and sometimes the Lord has to step in and do what he has to do to get you back into shape to get your attention and to begin to make you grow it's not that you're doing bad things. It's just you're neglecting the things that matter the most. Some years ago, I discovered one of my favorite books in all of the world. In fact, it's one of those kinds of books that about once a year, I go back and read it again. It's a little thin book, but it's so rich. And the name of that book is Lessons from a Venetian Vine Dresser. It's written by a fellow named Robert Scott Steiner. Robert Scott Steiner was a missionary in Italy for some years. 
And while he was a missionary in Italy, he lived next door to a man named Aldo. And Aldo was a fifth generation vine dresser who was tending his family's vineyard just down the road. And Scott Steiner began to follow Aldo and watch how he tended his vines and ask him questions about why he was doing what he was doing. And along the way, he began to take this passage, uh, John 15, and he began to apply it to what he was watching right in front of his eyes. And he said one of the things he discovered from Aldo was there were these things called sucker shoots that grow all over a vineyard. Now, what is a sucker shoot? A sucker shoot is a vine that grows out of a branch and uh, a branch that grows out of a vine. And, and here's the thing about it. And it will be green and it will be le uh, leafy and it will absolutely be fruitless. A sucker shoot is a kind of a vine that grows in a vineyard and it has no productive purpose whatsoever other than it takes away the nourishment from fruit-bearing branches. And he said what he learned from Aldo was that as they made his way through the vineyard and he was encountered these sucker shoots, he would take clippers and clip those off so that they would not take the nourishment away, so that the nourishment could go to the things that mattered the most. And he would inspect his vines and make sure that everything was fine so that it could flourish. And here's the thing. Scott Siner said, if you followed him through the vineyard during the season when he was dealing with those sucker shoots and you watched as he cut those away to allow the fruitful vines to grow, he said when he was finished, you would look at the vineyard and think, he's destroyed it. It is so much less when the truth was it was so much more. And then he said this, and that is exactly what God does in the lives of his children. Sometimes he will walk through your life and he will find those things, not bad things, not sinful things, not wicked things, distracting things. Things that steal your attention away from what really matters. And he will begin to clip those things away. And when he does, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you don't want to let go. But the truth is, all of the attention that you've given to those things are the things that have caused you to neglect the one that matters the most. And he has to get your attention again. And he begins to do pruning work. That's why pruning begins with returning to lordship. Giving Christ first place. In those times when we have neglected ourselves spiritually, rather than doing what we are so prone to do, which is to say, I'm going to fix myself. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to stop doing this. All we really have to say is, you know what? I just need to return to Christ. I just need to put him in central place, and then he will begin to clip away those things that are not fruitful in my life. 
That's the sacrifice you make to experience the harvest. So I ask you a question this morning. What's getting in your way? What's getting in your way spiritually? What's holding you back from being everything that the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to be? I'm not asking you to identify that thing and tear it off yourself. I'm just asking you to know where it is. Get back to where you belong. And let him do what only he can do. Let him prune your life. And then finally, he says this. And if you are resisting him, he will prune you to make you clean. Jesus said this, every branch that does not bear fruit, he will take away. Every branch that will not bear fruit, he will take away. Now, let me tell you what he's talking about. He's not talking about losing your salvation. Once you're born again, you're born again. Nothing can steal your salvation away because that thing that would steal your salvation would have to be greater than your Lord. And no one is greater than the Lord what he's doing is dealing seriously with rebellious believers he's referring to the most painful pruning of all the pruning of a diseased branch one diseased branch can infect the whole vine it can spread throughout the vineyard Once disease is allowed to come and remain, it can destroy everything. So God deals seriously with spiritual disease in our life. The disease of rebellion, the disease of rejection, the disease of turning away from him. When that happens, the vine dresser acts swiftly and decisively. He won't kill the vine, but he'll prune it all the way back to the nub. By the time he's done, there may not be a leaf, not a grape, not a a breath of blight that would be allowed to remain. He took it all away. Why? Because he loves the vine too much to allow any sign of disease. In those times when we find ourselves in rebellion against the Lord, there are times when he will step in and he will take drastic action. By the time he's done... There may be only a stump left of what was there before. Only a stump. And the potential to be fruitful again. There come those times in the lives of believers sometimes when we make drastic decisions to rebel against God and we choose to go in directions that the Lord would not have us go and we choose to live lifestyles that the Lord would not have us live and we find ourselves with actions and attitudes that are absolutely disobedient to him. And the easiest thing for the Lord to do once you've allowed your life to become diseased by sin and rebellion, the easiest thing for him to do would be what? Walk away. Move on to a fruitful vine. But he doesn't work that way. When he sees one of his children and they've allowed themselves to be so diseased by sin and failure and rebellion and rejection, 
He will do what he has to do to save you. He will do what he has to do to make you whole again. He'll use conviction. He'll use circumstances. He'll take away peace in your life. He will discipline you to the point that it seems as though everything is gone. But he will not stop until you've turned back to him with your whole heart. God does pruning in the lives of his rebellious children. And sometimes it hurts. And sometimes it takes everything away. When that happens, you know God is at work. He knows that anything else would leave infection behind that would destroy you. So sometimes he's radical in his pruning. So here's the question. Whether you find yourself as a healthy believer, whether you find yourself as a barren believer, whether you find yourself as a rebellious believer, what does it mean when God practices pruning? Does it mean he's angry with you? Is this a form of punishment? No. This is what it means. When you need pruning, it means the Lord loves you too much to leave you alone. When you need pruning, it means he has a fruitful plan for your life. When you need pruning, it means God really does work in all things to bring about good. As strange as it sounds, pruning is one of the greatest evidences of God's love for you. Pruning is one of the greatest evidences of the fact that your life is precious to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll do what it takes to make you all that you can be. So how do you respond when Christ is doing pruning work? This is what I say. Don't reject it. Don't resist it. Submit to it. Let God do what only God can do. There's a reason he's pruning your life. And that reason is because he knows all you can be. He recognizes how he could use you. But he also realizes this. For him to do all that he wants to do, it has to be on his terms and not on your terms. So you have to surrender. And you have to trust. And let him do what maybe at this moment only he can see that he's doing. So that in his time and in his way, your life will bear fruit like you could not imagine. Because where you're, you're where you ought to be in the plans of God. So my question this morning is, what about you? I said a while ago that pruning is something that happens to believers. But if you're not a believer and you're here today, you've never accepted Christ and you've never been saved, 
Today can be your day of salvation. The day when you begin to say, Lord, not only forgive my sins and come into my life, but Father, begin to do your work in me. Begin to do what only Christ can do. And in a minute when we sing our invitation hymn, if you're here and you don't know Christ, this would be your chance. You can walk here to the front. I'll be here. Dr. Hutchins will be here. And simply say, I want to trust Jesus. I want to be a Christian. And we'll help you trust him. Or maybe you're here today and you're recognizing part of what God is doing in my life is what he's doing through this church. And he wants me to be part of this place. And and I want to surrender to him and come and plant my life and plant my membership here. And when we sing, you can come and we'll do that. And maybe you're here as a believer and you just need to talk to somebody. Say, this is where God's at work in me. This is the place where he's allowing me to hurt. This is the place where I've been resisting him. I need you to pray for me. And you may need to just come and say, please help me. Please pray for me. And we would be privileged to do that. Is there a decision you need to make? We're going to stand. We're going to sing our invitation hymn. And as God's Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, you come. Let's stand together and let's sing. been good to be in God's house today to hear God speak to us through his word and we're looking forward to tonight I hope you will be here second Sunday snack supper has become a well-loved tradition on our Sunday evening crowd and we're really looking forward to that tonight and invite you to come and be where we're in our second session of Romans chapter 3 you may say to yourself well you know I'd like to come and I'd like to be part of it but I don't know what's been going on yet Well, it really doesn't matter because every Sunday is complete in itself. So you come and join us for that. Let's bow together. Let's pray. And then we'll have our final song. Father, we do thank you that you are a God who prunes his own. Thank you, Lord, that when it would be easier for you to leave us alone, 
you continue to go to work. And then those times when it would be simpler for you to walk away, you continue to prune. Father, we just want to pray. Help us to submit to what only you can do and let you take our, hand, our lives into your hands. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.